and we're on. Okay. So welcome everybody. Thank you for tuning in. I'm really excited to announce to you Berge Fagerli again. We haven't done any of these calls in a while, but this one is a special one because I just finished my first cycle of the SSD training program that we just uh, released. It's a Berge's masterpiece and it encompasses many, many years of coaching and uh, theoretical knowledge that he has accumulated. And I had the pleasure of being the, one of the first uh, guinea pigs on this one. Um, so, uh, in what we will do in this call is I'm going to share some of my experiences that I had doing this program and uh, I'm going to run them by Berge and, uh, he can give their own two senses on the topic. So, uh, first of all, Berge, how are you doing? I'm doing great. So Friday weekend coming up. Yeah. So, uh, it's a, it's a nice day. Yeah, um, to me, it's probably going to be the busiest day of the entire week, but it's going to make the weekend all the more sweet, hopefully. Right. So, uh, <laughs> so first question, uh, are you training at the moment? Um, are you uh, doing your rest phase, uh, resensitization phase at the moment, or how? where are you in your own training? I'm at the very end of uh, the program cycle. I'm basically now at the point where I'm just extending it for... Uh, couple of weeks or so depending on I, I, I'm still gaining strength so I'm gonna keep it up for a while I have um, since uh, I mentioned before and also mentioned in the program that my connective tissue tends to act up when I get into the heavier loading but the heavier loading is also what provides the best gains for me and my uh, um, individual physiology um, so I just compensate for that by switching to uh, an upper lower split and spreading it out more. So I'm, I'm basically just doing every other day workouts and sometimes taking two days, uh, two days of rest in between, and that just keeps progress going for for a while longer. So um, I generally just yeah, I feel great. So I'm I'm just gonna keep going for a while. Yeah, perfect. That's um, that was unplanned, but that was actually going to be exactly my question. Uh, actually, because I'm in the same boat as you are. Yeah, like, I just I, read your mind. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I am. Uh, I'm actually finishing the cycle this week, so by Sunday, Sunday is going to be a rest day. So tomorrow is going to be my last uh, training session, and um, I also extended the phase. So originally, this intended to long uh, to run for nine weeks. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, nine weeks is sort of. Um, where most people end up uh, by following the progression model, but um, as also mentioned in the program, you you can extend the program uh, both in the same rep range, meaning that if, if you're still managing to get like five to six reps, then you can just keep progressing from there. And uh, I also have the option of extending the cycle going into reps of uh, one, two, and three reps uh, and having more of a strength-oriented focus. But for most people, I prefer just sticking to a pre-planned cycle for the first cycle, then adjusting uh, the subsequent cycles based on your results and experiences with the first cycle. Yeah. Um, so uh, off, off of that, so actually what happened, so as you said, in the program, you give a couple of options as to how to extend the, the cycle. Now, what happened in my case, for example, for chest, I started out doing bench presses, but um, then I switched over to this chest press machine, which served me really well and just fits my biomechanics really well. And um, have been using that and actually got to the luxurious position, which made me really happy, is that I maxed out on the machine wow. <laughs> by the end of the cycle. Yeah, yeah. I've been... Awesome. 
yeah, ever since I started using this gym, this was one of my life goals that one day I will max out on it and it happened <laughs> now. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you know, that's actually uh, a very good point because I see some people just kind of sticking to the squat, deadlift, bench, uh, uh, triad and and just sort of ending up at the same place, the same loads. This happened to me many, many times. And I think one of the key points that I emphasize in, in the SSD system is, is starting to figure out your own body, your own response, instead of sticking to what some expert or authority is rec recommending. So, so uh, a, a big part of the program is actually learning how to listen to your own intuition about stuff. I mean, I still have members asking me, uh, okay, so what are you doing now in terms of nutrition? Well, I'm experimenting with this now. Oh, cool. Do you think I should do that? And I'm like, <laughs> well, <laughs> it's uh, you shouldn't be copying what I'm doing. Uh, you should be experiment experimenting for yourself. So if, if that's an experiment you're willing to do or, or that feels intuitively logical to you, then for sure try it. Monitor and see how it affects you. So with exercises, I think... Perhaps being more not only flexible, but entertaining the thought that there could be even a machine exercise that will be just a ticket for you to uh, experience uh, some pretty dramatic strength gains and, and, and hypertrophy gains. Because, um, uh, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff involved in this. It's, it's the psychological, mental side of things as well. If you have uh, like previous experiences without exercise where you got injured or you for some reason just feared that exercise or consider it scary or something, then you will have some uh, subconscious um, uh, limitations uh, getting the most strength out of that exercise, which is often why practicing lifts on a daily basis with submaximal um, weights is often used in powerlifting simply to you know since strength is a skill but it's also a matter of uh, becoming comfortable doing that exercise uh, and, and placing it on automatic then uh, you know unless you're competing in powerlifting and, and unless you're particularly built for or suited for those lifts there could be other exercises that are not only as good, but in some instances, way better. So, you know, I, I've left the squat. I'm not doing the deadlift. I'm not doing the bench press anymore. I kept doing that for a long time. I'm improving my technique and, and sort of mastering that, but it it's still, it, it's not moving upwards. So now I've switched myself to like a low incline bench press uh, mm. with an, um, like a, a medium grip. And that's, you know, it's increased by 10 kilos, just this training cycle. Wow. And I'm doing uh, my version of dips, which is like a forward leaning kind of thing with a, like this chest harness for climbing that places the load at chest level. So I can lean way forward. And, and now I'm like doing body weight plus like 35 kilos. And, and that's way beyond my bench press strength. So, um, and, and just, it, it, it it's just keep, it, it just keeps going up. So it's cracking that code. What exercise can you gain better on and you know like you said for you it's been that chest press machine where you can just comfortably now max out the stack and, and uh, keep gaining yeah and actually so one thing i did which i may have done wrong but at the end of the cycle so what happened is um i started clustering it so at first i started doing reps of five with my uh, nine rm and eventually mm -hmm. i got to the point where i was doing uh, sets of five with like one reps in reserve 
And when I got to the point where I maxed out the stack with that, actually one one time I added this uh, ankle weight that I had to the stack, so then it was like one kilo more basically. But eventually what I did was I added like a rep or two. So I, I ended up maxing out the stack at like seven reps. So hmm. is that is that a viable way of doing it or? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. And and of course there, you know, there, there are various ways you can sort of extend the training cycle. Um, since you know you're more experienced and gonna trust that this is fine for you mm. uh for those listening and, and still in their first cycle it's not something i would um advise uh i would just uh, you know uh stick to the plan and and uh and just go into the rest resensitization phase do another training cycle and then start adding bells and whistles but what you could do is um you know, stick with the same load, keep adding reps. You could keep adding sets, so like a volume uh, progression. Um, this is music to the ears of the listeners, probably. <laughs> for sure, yeah, you know, this. but, but this again, it's, it's going to require you to spend more time in the gym, and it's not something I would recommend for all exercises. But on some exercises or muscle groups, so let's say for me, since I always want to focus on building my chest, it's, it's been like a weak point for, you know, throughout my training career. Mm. I will, um, I will both progress into heavier loads and lower reps, and I might add like one or two sets here and there. Uh, so we're not talking MRV kind of stuff where you basically go from, you know, eight to 10 weekly sets to 20 or 24 weekly sets or, or that kind of thing. But generally just, you know, adding a set here and there and see if that uh, leads to any strength gains, meaning that you're able to to add more reps to, to each set at the same load or that you're actually able to add loads and, and maintain the, the rep counts. But at some point, you know, since... Um, the effects of, of increasing volume isn't like acutely noticeable. Mm. Um, it may take like a couple of weeks to manifest and you will notice that not only does strength sort of st start to stagnate, but you might get some aches and pains here and there and, and just generally find it harder to recover. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, for sure, experiment with that, adding volume up to a certain point. I wouldn't go beyond... Like if you're doing one wire up set, or oh, of course at this point you're doing cluster sets. Um, yeah. I wouldn't go beyond like a 50% increase in volume for that training cycle um, before you go into uh, the rest re-sensitization phase. Yeah, um, and actually um, in terms of volume, so if we are on the topic, I might as well get, get into that. Like I learned some really invaluable lessons about my volume tolerance and sort of uh, work capacity by doing this. So earlier on, I was kind of just guessing about how much would be appropriate. And I experimented based on some programs that you put together for me in the past. So I mentioned that around like on average nine sets per week kind of protocol, which was like one where I made some really like some crazy good gains, like five plus kilos of muscle in a year mm. or like 10 months or something. So based on that, I experimented with some training protocols. But now because of this autoregulatory nature of my reps and also the clusters, I really got a really good picture about my volume tolerance. And, and one thing that really surprised me is, for example, my chest and uh, just heavy pushing has a lot higher uh, kind of work capacity than my side delts, which yeah. was really shocking to me. And uh, like one thing I, I wanted to experiment with is um, 
So I was kind of baffled by how poor my work capacity was for my side deals with my reps. And, hmm. um, and I was like, man, I, I probably need some more volume for my side and rear deals because I built up some respectable deals over this past year. And I was kind of scared that I'm going to lose them. So, uh, and I was kind of baffled that my MyWare app sets always went something like 15, 3, 3, 2, or 3, 2. And I was like, okay, I'm going to start, try doing some straight sets of 15. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious, like, how it's going to go. And it went like 15, 6, 4. Right. I was like, yeah. ah, okay, it makes <laughs> sense that my MyWare apps went so poorly. <laughs> mm, yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's, there's always a correlation. And, and so here, here's actually a point that I addressed uh, through a personal message uh, this morning um, where someone asked, well, but what if you just, you know, do this sort of volume periodization where you just add some volume to increase your work capacity and even, um, you know, try to increase your work capacity during the MyRub phase. And, and, and so while, of course, you could do that, uh, provided that you're okay with doubling up your training time, and, and, you know, one of the pre- uh, premises of SSD training is to get the most bang for your buck. So if you're, like, doubling up your training volume in order to increase work capacity, are you actually sure that this will lead to more hypertrophy down the road? Because we don't really have any, um, like, concrete evidence showing that increasing work capacity does anything outside of increasing your strength endurance, you know, because yeah. the body will adapt specifically to what you're asking it to do. So if we're asking it to tolerate more work, then it will build up adaptations for doing more work. And, and a bigger muscle isn't necessarily what the body will um, require to do more work with a, with a given load. And so also the reason why we're doing this whole rest resensitization phase is to allow, you know, we're detraining ourselves in order to allow lighter loads and lower volumes to do work. Because I would, you know, before I started religiously implementing this rest phase, I would, uh, you know, increase my volume and do higher volumes and and not much would happen. Uh, It it would start to drain my connective tissue health and I would notice that impacting my recovery and motivation to train and all that stuff that most of us have probably experienced when we try to push volume. Um, But for some of these muscle groups, after taking a proper, you know, since I had been training consistently for like a couple of years when I, you know... um, sort of got uh, back to the notion of actually enjoying a period of rest and, and, and uh, seeing if that could change something. Then once I got back to the gym, I noticed that one set would make me sore as hell. And I actually started noticing growth from just doing one set and eventually one wire up set. Then, you know, for me, that was, um, that was like uh, at least a degree of validation, even though I don't have any accurate ways to measure muscle growth, there was like a visual impact where even my girlfriend would comment that, hey, you did something different now because I can see that, you know, uh, in this instance, my chest uh, was starting to look different. Yeah. So, so yeah, if you want in, an increased work capacity just because you want to spend more time in the gym or even, you know, it, it could improve your recovery from more moderate volumes if you are adapted to higher volumes, but we don't really have any good evidence that it will down the road lead to more muscle growth than just going through the cycle of a proper training volume, 
leading to a proper or or um, like um, let's say uh, an optimal rate of growth. I'm I'm gonna say optimal because even though you can achieve uh, a higher rate of growth by doubling up or tripling or quadrupling your volume, I don't consider that a very good return return on investment. So doing that optimal volume, achieving a certain growth rate, and then doing a rest resensitization phase and repeating the cycle and getting close to the exact same growth rate is in my world a better return of investment or a better way to spend my time and effort than just having to constantly increase my volume or even maintain a really high training volume just to you know, uh, eventually you're gonna the, the growth rate is gonna slow down to barely noticeable. Yeah, yeah, and like um, there's sort of a different mindset. Like a few people ask me how many sets I did and and how much volume did I do. And I think the cool thing about this is that the mindset is different. Like if you're serious about training, like I am. Like I'm not, I'm not in here to do the minimal amount of training to get minimal results. Like I'm serious. I want to get the best results. And and for someone like me with this kind of auto-regulated training, mm-hmm. almost the mindset is like, I'm gonna fight for volume. <laughs> Cause like, if, if I'm able to crank out more reps on a mile rep set, then I get to do more sets. It just mm. so happens that on some exercises, it's gonna be a really low amount cause my reps just drop crazy quickly. But I guess then that's the indication that's, that's almost like my body's way of saying that this is how much I need for that given muscle group on that given exercise. Yeah, so. exactly. And, and, you know, as with many other things in life, you can very often trust the feedback from your body on, on stuff. I mean, not always, obviously. And, um, you know, I have people telling me, well, my body told me I needed chocolate cake today. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's probably not like your body, your body's physiological feedback. That's something else interfering. So a big part of this process is, is learning to differentiate between the, the actual feedback that, that's observable in, in the gym and, and in, on your progress curves and, and uh, how you actually adjust and, and uh, adapt to things. Like a, a very applicable example is um, like the screenshot from the app that Alex posted in the system support group, SST mm-hmm. system support group, where he showed his readiness score increasing from like an average of 81.9 to 85 during the first weeks of, of starting the program. There's like a, a progress here of three weeks where it went from an average of 81.9 or 82, I think, and all the way up to 85, uh, just by implementing the principles from from the SSD system. And, and so that's visual data. That's like applicable data from, from um, uh, you know, it's, it's from the Aura Ring app where it measures yeah. your heart rate variability, your pulse, um, your resting heart rate, uh, your temp- body temperature, uh, sleep quality, and, and there's like several people commenting below here and uh, where people have the same experience as well as uh, enhanced sleep quality. So you are obviously doing something correctly if uh, various biological parameters are increasing and you can see your strength increase and you're getting leaner and you're getting bigger and, you know. Yeah. Versus just using, well, I feel like I should do this because that's what I've been told or heard, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So uh, kind of a related question here is, um, I mean, we talked about this in the beginning and I was expressing my, not concern, but like I just wasn't sure what to do because I was kind of stuck at a given rep range. So whereas uh, the 
the goal is to increase weight kind of aggressively, more aggressively than you would typically do it and decrease reps subsequently. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of just keep making progress and cranking out the same 15 reps in the beginning, but even by adding like 5% uh, load. And um, what I ended up doing is um, kind of uh, imp- incrementing even more aggressively after some point. So um, I, one, one interesting thing that I found, and I'm not really sure how to go about this the next time that I do this, mm-hmm. is that I found that there are sort of like two different 15 RMs for me. like there is like an actual true 15 RM. So for example, on the bench press, I know that probably my 15 RM is something like, I don't know, 70, 75 kilos or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But then there is the 15 RM, which I can do with like this great muscle mind, mind muscle connection, slowing down the reps, um, just focusing on really kind of the squeeze and kind of all those bro-y stuff. And then I can still squeeze out a fair amount of uh, my rep sets and it, it burns like hell. It's still very challenging, but it's kind of a different type of, effort so um yeah i don't know uh do you have any thoughts based on these nonsense that i just spewed out (laughs) (laughs) um well there's still some lingering ocdishness going on here (laughs) over analyzing stuff but you know i I keep reminding people that building muscle is a moving target there's not like a perfect ratio of volume frequency and load that at any time point will you know, become optimal. You, I mean, you're always trying to hit a moving target. So just do the best you can do and, and like approach this from a more um, bird's eye view kind of thing where uh, over time you are hitting that target or within that range uh, where, the target, uh, where the target is uh, a sufficient amount of times that you are slowly but surely building muscle. So the, the muscle is not going to you know, uh, know the difference between 14 or 15 reps. We're not there. I mean, it's not that detailed. And if you slow down rep speed to increase the burn, then you're sort of sacrificing total amount of, you know, you you could probably achieve just the same um, time under tension or time under load, meaning that like a, uh, let's say just just a, a set of fifteen where you're focusing on something else and ju- you're just pumping out the reps. Yeah. Whereas if you slow down the reps and really feel the burn and and you, you're sort of getting a, a higher metabolic effect, and you can barely get ten reps doing that, then you're probably going to be in the same ballpark when it comes to time under load. And you're sort of sacri- you might be sacrificing some time under load, but you might be making those reps more effective since you're you know, achieving more metabolic stress and, and achieving some of those growth pathways that we're trying to reach doing high reps. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there there's always going to be, you know, some days, and, and even as I, I, um, I talked about in the follow-up video that I'm going to make accessible to the SSD system users, um, it's in the VIP group, um, where you can see yourself enjoying and progressing more in certain rep ranges. Yeah, and this is all about you know your particular neurotransmitter profile and your individual f- physiology and 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 even that moving target kind of thing. So being more aware of this is is where I want people to end up, not being concerned whether well to achieve fifteen reps if I slow down my reps and focus more on on the chest, uh, I had to you know, drop the load by five kilos or something. You're probably still in that very same ballpark range where you're stimulating muscle growth. You're still doing the job you need to be doing. 
So, so that sort of illusion about perf- perfect is where most people get their pan is twist, twisted in the bunch and, and lose perspective of the whole training process that's supposed to be going on for months and years. And, and you, you never know. You will never know. And you have to accept not knowing, <laughs> yeah. if that makes any sense. And it, but it's so easy. And, and believe me, I spent the better part of my life being obsessed about figuring out just that perfect kind of thing. Uh, until I realized that, um, or, or accepted that it's always going to be a moving target. And sometimes you hit it, sometimes you don't. And there's so much subjectivity involved in this, where we now have good studies showing that when people are allowed to choose their own rep ranges and choose their own exercises, they gain way more than when they're following a prescribed training program. Yeah. So there's this whole enjoyment um, variable involved uh, that, that can often differentiate between gaining and not gaining. And it's not just about the volume frequency and vo- uh, volume frequency and loading. It's it's just having a framework of a sweet spot kind of volume frequency and load that we can be fairly certain with a high degree of certainty is right there where it needs to be. And the rest is going to be your becoming more intuitive about how your own body responds, not only to that workout, but to, to a sequence of workouts over time. And it's, yeah. it's just building a point of reference. It's building experience. It's building um, intuition. It's, it's building your sense of being more in tune with what's going on inside your body. Yeah, and I think, um, okay, so I didn't prepare on saying this, so I hope that it will make some sense by the end of the sentence. But sure. something that um, I've been talking about with Menno for something cool stuff that we are preparing for in SSD circles um, we were talking about like how we don't like maybe in a few years we are going to look back at how we quantify training and we are going to laugh at like yeah back in 2018 we were talking about reps and sets because um, maybe we will have a better tool at measuring you know like what makes training training effective like maybe we will be able to quantify impulse or um, of the training somehow or maybe it is time under load like we don't like sets and reps are kind of just a pretty uh, rough, like rudimentary way of quantifying things because we yeah. have no better tools. And it's almost like, it's almost like as if we didn't know protein or protein grams and we didn't know how to count those. And so we would just use like quantities of meat and like, yeah. it's like, yeah, we recommend in a research study we found that, I don't know, like roughly five ounces of meat per day produce the best gains, but it's like, well, what kind of meat, some meat is more protein dense than other. So it's just, pointless at this point to obsess so much about like exact reps and sets and all of that stuff because we, we just don't know yet what produces the best gains so exactly i mean we can make educated guesses based on averages from research and literature and but but at the end of the day we have to start listening to or, or looking at our own experience I mean, you say what you want about some of the pro bodybuilders, but I, I just remember back in the day when I used to watch these videos of uh, like um, uh, Sean Ray and Leela Brad and all these guys and and, uh, and even Dexter Jackson. And it's like, well, they don't even count their calories. They just know that a certain amount of food uh, and combination of it brings about a certain condition. So they're very much in tune with their own bodies and watching how it changes. And if it doesn't change as expected, they change some tiny little variable but keep the others constant and, and then monitor and adjust accordingly. And again, this is like a central part of the whole SSD system. It's not about the routines. It's not about like, 
It's getting that whole framework in place and, and then becoming more um, aware of how your body changes. And, and I can even remember many, many years ago when, when Brian was asked one of the eternal volume question, you know, how much volume should I do? How many sets? And he's like, well, here are sort of the, the framework and the principles and, and the progressive loading and, and getting sort of in that range of uh, time under load so that uh, there's a physiological stressor um, achieved within the muscle that makes it adapt. But a, a big part of it is is uh, actually sensing that strain type muscle growth promoting uh, workout. Like like he said, there, there's an actual physical sensation within the muscle. It's not about the burn. It's not about something hurting, but it's like a deeper type of strain kind of thing where with experience, you just know that this is a good workout. And that could happen after just one set since, you know, at, at with this moving target kind of thing, your physiology and recovery curve at that point in time allowed one set uh, or rather one set was just the correct amount of volume to make things happen. Whereas another workout sometime later in the training cycle, you could be at a point where it required three sets to get there. Yeah. And I also remember, like he has sort of repeated this this kind of thing throughout the years in various contexts, and, and I completely agree with him. And, and it was kind of interesting to hear Jeremy Lunica saying the exact same thing in, in the podcast you did with him, where he's like, well, one to three sets is going to do most of it for most people most of the time. But for sure, you know, you, you could do the job with two sets, but if those two sets didn't do it for you, then do another and perhaps a fourth set. But beyond that, there's like barely any major difference in, in the muscle growth you can achieve. Yeah. And so this is like a central tenet, getting away from all these numbers and being OCD about hitting that perfect and then getting obsessed with what experts are throwing around based on a recent study, which is also just an average of everyone from non-responders to high responders for a certain training protocol, you need to be one of those data points that are beginning to get away from the static training program and getting more, you know, aware of where is your individual, uh, like, um, target, you know, where, where, how much should you be training and, and when should you be training to, yeah. to, uh, to get where you want to be. And, and, and also as, a lot of research is showing when it comes to elite performance, they are, or most of them are enjoying the process. Mm -hmm. it's, it's about the process and not the end goal. It's about the journey, not, you know, where you're going. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's um, like, there's a lot of way of that you can tweak all of this for yourself. Like I had weeks where just to keep things interesting and fun for myself, I kept the same way of progressing. I kept the weight um, and I, the way of progressing was the same. Volume was the same, but I just played around with frequency a lot, mm. even more so in the my rep phase. But um, I had weeks when I did upper body training like um, six days a week. <laughs> I was just curious what's going to happen. What happened, uh, if anybody is curious, is that my my rep performance just dropped in linear proportion to the amount by which I increased my frequency. Mm. So the, the volume I ended up with was exactly the same pretty much um and yeah so there's a, there's a lot of way that you can tweak things for yourself to make it more fun and interesting for yourself exactly and, yeah. and if that requires you to do some like drop sets or uh supersets or or just this weird ass exercise then go for it i mean it's a, this is a template it's not the holy grail yeah 
It's, it's pointing you in the right direction so that you can start to gain experience with the proper training process and, and uh, getting the most bang for your buck, the, mo the most gains from the, the time and effort you're actually spending doing this. And, and quite the, the contrast for, for a lot of people that are just, you know, working their asses off for many years and perfecting uh, their protein intake and calories and, and still just basically ending up at the same point. Yeah. Or getting exhausted doing that. Yeah. And um okay, so um just just uh just just in case a few more O C D type questions. Um Go ahead. <laughs> so one so one thing um that crystallized for myself like even more. Okay, let me step back one. So one thing that we offer in the in this template is just changing up exercises depending on the phase you're in. So some exercises might be better suited for high reps. Some exercises might be better for low reps. Um, but one thing that I found is that, uh, once again, is that my elbows are just so shitty and it just really doesn't tolerate a lot of stuff. Um, and one thing, like basically bicep curls and just bicep work in general just doesn't feel good if I go much below like 20 reps. So do you mm. think uh, something I could try maybe for the next cycle when I try this is instead of starting out at 20 reps, like I would do for chess, for example, I would start out with like 35 reps or something and oh, ending yeah, yeah. up at for, like for 20 sure. reps. Yeah, definitely. And and so, you know, I'm going to reveal some of the um, material from that VIP group um, video that I posted, like a one hour presentation on this. But if you look at your one estimated one RMs from the 15, 10 and five rep max testing. And if you're doing the same exercises, you can sort of see your individual uh, strength curve. So if, if your estimated one RM is higher for the 15 reps than for the five reps, then that's probably an exercise or muscle group that's more tuned towards doing higher reps and vice versa. Mm. So, so like for me, I will have for most muscle groups, my estimated one RM from the five rep max testing is way higher than the 15 rep max stuff. I still go through the 15 rep max or 15 rep phase and higher rep phase simply because it's it's so good for my connective tissue and joints and recovery. But, you know, I, I sort of hate it inside. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, because it's painful and it hurts and, and my body is obviously more suited for more explosive low rep type activities. But again, my connective tissue when I get to the low reps is, is, um, is always a limitation. So uh, my my adjustment is simply to spend more time like in the five to ten rep range and extending my cycle further and and sort of staying in that range and getting quickly through the high rep phase. But I have some I've had some clients that are just you know you you can tell them to do a max reps at eighty percent of one rep max a load that I can barely get you know five reps with maybe three or four or five reps in some exercises and these i i'm gonna say guys but there's a lot of women here in in that in that demographic and and they're like getting 15 to 20 reps with mm. that load yeah so for them once we start focusing on higher reps you know i, I have one particular client that uh, that that kept doing this was a guy actually uh, and he kept doing this five sets of five program the five yeah so that classical starting strength program yeah. and he was gaining but it was like a really slow type of progress and as he did the high rep part of the cycle he actually got to the point where he managed to get 15 reps with his previous five rep max just mm. in a few short weeks of doing high rep training 
So, so that was obviously more conducive for his individual performance and gains. And, and you know, he felt safer and there's a lot of mental, psychological uh, stuff involved here. But for him, that was like cracking the code for him, just spending more time doing higher reps. And then, you know, briefly doing low reps for a while to sort of build a higher and top strength and, and neural gains and all that stuff. And, and connective tissue health as well, obviously, since it does require some loading to, to improve your connective tissue health yeah. as well. Uh, but again, this is back to cracking the code, your individual code. What, what's, where, where do you see the most gains? Where, what do you thrive on doing? And if, if that's higher reps for you, I would for sure recommend it. Yeah, awesome. That, that's an awesome response. Um, another thing that I, um, I wouldn't say I, I want, want to try that, I'm just curious like how that would work. Um, and I was wondering about this earlier on, um, I, but I just went with the original protocol setup. But like, if someone was to, like, the original kind of setup is going from like 15 reps to like 14, 13, all the way down to like 10, and then like switching over to like heavier loading and, and doing some clusters. And what if someone went from like 10 reps down to nine reps, down to eight reps, down to seven, and uh, instead of clustering, just going into like, uh, straight sets that way and going down all the way to like pretty heavy weights yeah for, actually that's that can be a pretty good option for some people especially those who, who tend to you know not get the best results from metabolic stress metabolic work mm-hmm. so again if, if you're the type of guy that when you do my reps you just suffer <laughs> yeah. you know it's still good for you to do that to do that my rep phase because there's some important mechanisms involved here that that will benefit you later on uh, but when you get into the cluster phase and you just see that like performance drop tremendously, I tend to see that effect in myself. So I don't do a lot of cluster training personally, mm-hmm. but that's through learning how that affects me. So I, I have done my fair share of both my reps and, and cluster training to get to where I am now, where I understand my body better. So I still do some cluster training on muscle groups that tend to enjoy that or thrive on that and gain on that. But for the majority of my, my muscles uh, or, or exercises, I just go into straight sets and just pair up stuff. Or, you know, I will do like a, uh, like dips followed by face pulls, you know. So I go back and forth between exercises. So I, I still get like one minute up to two minutes of rest between exercises. But when I get back to the, you know, same exercise, uh, three to four minutes have passed. Yeah. So that's certainly viable, but also keep in mind that there's a variation, a strategic variation in, in intensity of effort here. I vary my intensity of effort based on uh, my recovery. So I do it like on a daily workout type of basis where I can push myself harder for several workouts in a row. And then, you know, I have a day where, where I just don't have it in me. So I do more reps in reserve and my, I allow my reps to drop at the same loads or, or whatever. Um, but it's it's if you follow the recommendation on reps in reserve that's periodized in a in a pre-planned fashion you're not going to see 10 9 8 7 reps throughout the training cycle yeah <laughs> you know so just to sort of remind people of that yeah actually that's one thing i'm looking forward to try the next time around cuz when i started out it was um it was be- be- before the complete like a completion of the ssd 
system. So I kind of just started out with my reps with some standard, like pretty much almost to grinding failure all the time or like one rep in reserve. So basically when I could still crank out that 15th rep or 12th rep or however many reps I was doing. So I'm curious to see how it's going to be the next next time around when I'm going to periodize my or IR as well. Mm, so, sure. yeah. Um, yeah, so... I'm curious, like, how do you? I'm basically asking you all of my questions on on the training front, uh, just just to give people some perspective. I'm actually going to sort of test out how much I felt feel like I gained some muscle, but of course, like, I'm relatively advanced, so it's it's hard to really see uh, the small amounts of gains you made. I was kind of playing around with some higher carb intake lately, and um, when we were hanging out. Uh, here in, in Skopje, that was around the time when I started out. But that was actually my first training session there, here together. And um, I was, I believe, like 81 kilos at around 12% body fat, but I was at like pretty much zero carbs at the time. Now at higher carbs, I think I'm roughly the same body fat percentage. At Today I stepped on scale at around 85.5 kilos or something. So I'm curious if I'm going to drop the carbs again, like how much heavier yeah. i will be if i will be cool yeah i mean but there's definitely some you know there's glycogen involved yeah, of and, course and fluids you know so yeah but but still you have most certainly built some muscle throughout this training cycle i i can guarantee it yeah uh i'm, I'm curious uh, just to close this whole thing off slowly uh, what what is your are you experimenting with some dietary stuff lately or have you found that um sort of not magic bullet but that stuff that tends to work with for you for most of the time yeah, I mean, I keep experimenting, and um, <laughs> as always, um, again, just trying to feel stuff out and, and follow my intuition on, on stuff. And um, I've I've been all the way from super high protein, zero carb, to like moderate or even low protein and super high fats, like double the fat compared to protein in grams. And I've had periods with more and less carbs, and and so so for now, for for a period of time, I'm trying out higher protein again, simply because I just love eating meats and mm -hmm. and, and proteins in general. I, I always have. I I had some issues with that before, as I've uh, discussed in the Q and A's, um, where my blood sugar levels would uh, drop to like hypo levels. I, I would mm -hmm. like measure two point eight. In, in blood sugar after the overnight fasts where um, like the, the lower end of recommended blood sugar range is, is four. <laughs> so I was actually into coma range there. Um, I would also get sort of moody and cranky with high protein, probably because it has some, um, it, it does affect dopamine levels and serotonin levels, dopamine most of all. Mm -hmm. um, and I have noticed now that I increased my protein protein intake, I also have started eating more like fruits and berries and, mm. and some steamed uh, carrots and, and stuff like that. So uh, I have increased my carbs somewhat. I have increased my protein somewhat and then also dropped my fats to accommodate. And I, I feel pretty good right now. Oh, I do. Okay, so, so my blood sugar is still within normal range. And, and I will... <sighs> One of my theories is that... I worked closely with Paleo Medicina Hungary for a while and, and Dr. Chapatoth there. Mm -hmm. And um, he advised me to follow this diet uh, due to uh, intestinal permeability, where uh, you basically don't tolerate fiber or 
even carb foods very well. You don't, you know, you have a lower tolerance for a lot of foods. Mm-hmm. And I used to have severe issues with certain foods before. And and my first zero carb experiment with higher proteins and and um, like probably not sufficient fats. Uh, led to some success in that regard. So once I started reintroducing carbs for a while, I felt good and then I didn't feel good. I got some very severe GI distress. This time around, things have improved a lot. So now I don't, you know, of course there's more bloating since you're adding more volume of food. Yeah. Uh, but I feel way better than I ever did before eating this way. And I do believe there are some intestinal permeability improvements simply from following a strict PKD diet for uh, a prolonged period of time, almost two months. Yeah. And, and they, they have seen, they have measured like yeah, through their uh, PEG 400 tests that intestinal permeability improves after only three to six weeks on the PKD diet. So I have for sure done some good work there. I, I'm still waiting for the results of my test so I can confirm it. Um, their, their chemist actually died, so you know oh, they had to get a new one. Uh, yeah, I don't think he died from the diet. I think there was <laughs> some other stuff involved, uh, a car accident or something. Um, yeah. You know, we shouldn't laugh at this stuff, but, no, but still. No. Um, so that's one waiting for my results. Um, but but yeah, it's it's sort of been experiencing and and, and um, it has been a good experience to to see that I can again increase my or just eat more meats and. Uh, Still have some fiber and carbs, and and but again, there's a sweet spot. There's still a sweet spot. If I go much beyond like the 80 to 100, 120 gram range of carbs, I, I start getting sleepy and bloated and, and don't feel so well. So it's improving, but I'm, I'm still not into the eat three to 500 grams of carbs from rice territory. Yeah. Probably never will be. Yeah, like uh, for me, like this conundrum one thing that I want to experiment with, I'm sort of reluctant to do it just because I, it, it feels like a stupid way of blowing uh, calories, if you will, is like um, a carnivore, carnivorous diet with some dextrose or maltodextrin to like um, try out that like still being like on a glucose based diet, but eliminating all the fiber. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like a stupid way to eat. So I'm kind of reluctant to try it, but I'm curious what would happen because like what I found is that mentally and um energy level wise gym performance all of that stuff i really do thrive on a on a carb-based diet uh it's just uh the gut stuff the digestive stuff can get pretty horrendous at times and so it's i I would recommend just doing rice instead don't use the powders i mean that's i agree it's a waste of calories yeah so just boil some rice and and um you it's know, basically uh, the same thing. Yeah. yeah, it's basically the same thing. I mean, rice is just glucose polymers. So it's, it's a good way to get in starch with uh, almost zero fiber. Yeah, agreed, agreed. I, I used to do that before when I had severe digestive issues. I would use only rice as a carb source. And that worked mm-hmm. really well, like, well, except for the like increased water retention and, and uh, fluctuating energy levels due to the, uh, the carb intake I was at uh, at the point. But... Um, it's at least better than maltodextrin or dextrose. Yeah, 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 agreed. Okay, awesome. So, um, yeah, I think uh, I went over everything that I wanted to cover here. Yeah, so but all, like all a brief summary of, of your results and experiences, if you, if you would sum it up, like in a couple of sentences of the SSD training cycle. Yeah, so um, first of all, progress. I, I definitely feel like I gained some muscle. I definitely gained a fair amount of strength. Um, 
I learned a lot about my body and how I respond to training. And um, in many ways, I was forced to step out outside of my comfort zone because this is not the type of training that I was used to. But I think this period of self-experimentation really taught me like um, a, a lot of things in terms of what types of rep ranges my body responds well to in certain exercises and certain body parts. Also about my volume tolerance and what works for me best on that front. And um, yeah, it's I'm still serious about training and I still am pushing to make the best results. But I still sometimes have to come to terms with the fact that I'm not leaving the gym, everything aching and feeling like a truck just ran over me. But mm. just actually feeling good and like pain free and just uh, energetic all the time. Exactly. And um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's the way it should be. It's the way it should be. It's just something that like bodybuilding and just uh, tr this whole fitness game can just mess up our heads at times that it almost feels like it shouldn't be that way and feeling kind of miserable is the right way to be. So Exactly. And that's yeah. why I built a system. It's it's to sort of show people how you can enjoy the process and, and still get gains. I mean, you, you can get better gains doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so it's, it's a head twister for sure, but... Uh, Doing like two to three cycles of this, even if you never did this type of program again, it, it's going to teach you some lessons that you can use for the rest of your life, not only in the gym, but, but also in terms of food and, and just, again, learning your own body and, and trusting your instincts on stuff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's really, I think, um, once you once you find a system that is sort of auto-regulating things and it's like using your body's feedback mechanisms to make the right decisions about what you should do in the gym, it sort of allows you to finally put your head in other places and focus on improving your life on, on the whole. And yeah. th that's that's probably the biggest gain that I got from this, Not e even more so than the muscle gains, which I'm definitely happy about. But one thing that I'm really grateful for is that like I can actually use my headspace to work on other areas of my life and improve as a person on the whole which sounds really corny but it's really true no so. it's perfectly formulated i mean this this is at the end of the day um if you love going to the gym and that's your job and career and you can actually make money off of it and, and it's, it's your huge passion then you know perhaps this isn't for you except for getting some outside experience and and perhaps becoming mind blown about you know, various stuff that you haven't tried before but this is for people who want to enjoy life in a different way outside of the gym yeah. so it, it's sort of building that part of your life to a point where you can just trust the process and, and get on with it yeah yeah exactly exactly so yeah i think um i think this training cycle really well encompasses the name sustainable self-development so yeah. um <laughs> so yeah i um with that, I want to thank you for being on and I want to thank you for creating the program. <laughs> yeah, thank you for um, teaming up with me and, and, you know, enabling us to convey all this information and and, and, and philosophy to, to people out there. It's, it's been awesome. It's an awesome journey. It still is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So guys, uh, anybody listening to this, uh, if you have tried this uh, training cycle or if you're running it currently... We are super excited to see how it's going to work out for you. And uh, we are super confident that you're going to have awesome experiences with it. And if uh, other one of you are on the fence about trying this out, then I would recommend that you check out uh, our earlier episodes and videos on this. We have a couple of uh, footages where we talk over the whole uh, cycle and uh, we are going to put in some training footage as well. So, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of free information out there. So Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. we're happy to share. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so guys, uh, thank you so much for uh, being on. And uh, with that, uh, we will see you in a similar episode sometime in the near future. Yeah, thanks.
Have a great weekend. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode and liked what you heard. And if you did, then I think you definitely love our SSD training and nutritional course that we recently put out with Burger Fuggerly. This program not only contains a 12-week phasic training program that you can use to time efficiently and safely build the best body you can, but also gives you four plus hours of video lectures about managing your nutrition and lifestyle to not only look good, but feel and perform optimally. And besides this, you will also be getting some really awesome bonuses like Burger Fuggerly's Myo Reps and Zero Carb ebook. So if this sounds interesting to you, then go ahead and check out sustainableselfdevelopment.com. And of course, to not miss out on future episodes like this, subscribe to the podcast and you'll be up to date on everything we'll be putting out. So thank you for hanging around up until now and see you next time.